You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome back. I hope that you are enjoying your week scattered on mission as the body of Christ is out there serving as God has uniquely designed you to. I hope that you'll enjoy the Lord deeply today. And I am really looking forward to gathering with you guys tonight for our Bible studies on Wednesday. And I can't wait to see you again when we gather next Sunday uh, on the Lord's Day. Well, today we're talking about Jesus again. And my guest this week is my friend, Andy Baker, pastor of First Baptist Church Olo and a PhD student at NOBTS, my alma mater. Welcome back, Andy. Thanks. Glad to be here. All right. So I've got to be honest, the challenge uh, challenge is a little bit more significant today, Andy. You've done a great job with us on Monday, Tuesday. You really blessed our church. Thanks for that. But today we're going to be talking about uh, what at first glance is going to seem like a topic our church wants to pass over, but we're not. We're going to hang in there with you. Today we're going to talk about what it means that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, the word begotten. I know that doesn't sound important at first, but it's really important theologically. And so we're going to dive in. I want to kick it off with the most well-known Bible verse that uh, in, in the church, like in the world. So John 3.16, most of us memorize it kind of King James-ish. And so, you know, we learned for God to love the world, He gave His only what? Begotten Son. All right. And so what does it mean that Jesus Christ was the only begotten? And the reason this is a big deal is because one of the things that separates Orthodox Christian faith from unorthodox uh, cult groups is that we believe that Jesus Christ was fully man and fully God. And And so some of the other groups will come to the word begotten and say, see, Jesus is not part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus did not exist from eternity past until eternity future. Uh, He was not Alpha and Omega. Like, he was begotten. And so this is the moment of his creation. Well, we reject that entirely, and I think that a little bit of a study on the concept of what it is to be begotten uh, will help our church today. So, Andy? Yeah, so I think this is an important topic because begotten is really not a term that we use every day. I mean, we do not go around, you know, saying, hey, this is introducing our children as my one and my I'm, only begotten child. I'm going to start, you know? though. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe you use it every day. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. And so I think a, a textbook definition of what begotten means will be helpful for us moving forward theologically. So Merriam-Webster Dictionary uh, defines begotten as brought into existence or, at, or by, excuse me, brought into existence by or as if by a parent. Now, we need to be careful because uh, if we take this textbook edition uh, and just blanket, blankly apply it to Christ, we can create some problems. And so we need to be very clear on how we take begotten and uh, apply it to Christ as it pertains to John right. 3.16. So quick reminder, because that is not at all what begotten means That's in John exactly 3.16. Right. That's exactly right. Um, so thanks for, thanks for getting us started there. Um, Andy, what's next? So if we take this first, uh, the first part of this definition at face value, we can fall into the trap of some of these heresies you mentioned, some of these cult groups, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, that all stem, you know, stem from Arianism, early controversies about who Christ is and what, uh, how he relates to the Father. And so it's very important that we uh, clarify what we're talking about here because if we say that Jesus was brought into existence in right. terms of begottenness, then we are saying that the Creator has now become the created, which 
which yep. does not align uh, with biblical truth of who Jesus is as being the eternal uh, member of the Trinity. And so we know from Scripture that Jesus was not brought into existence. We know that he became flesh, took on human form as he was fully man. And so the definition takes on a new meaning when we apply it to Jesus. Jesus was not brought into existence in the same way uh, as if he, as, as we are, as if he did not yeah. once exist and then all of a sudden he comes into uh, existence, but he was brought into the world through the incarnation in a unique, keyword unique, right, right. Uh, fashion uh, that has never happened before. And you referenced John three sixteen, which is the the all familiar verse that we learn primarily this term uh, begotten. And the traditional King James way of saying this verse uh, would say that he gave his that God the Father gave his only begotten Son. That is, God sent his Son into the world as coming from a parent, the Father in a totally uh, unique way that has changed everything. And so while Jesus was not coming into existence for the first time, he was uniquely coming into the world, breaking into humanity for the first time. That's right, as a human being. And so God was begetting him in the fact that he was taking on flesh. He was the only son, and he was being sent forth into this world for a unique purpose, which is the purpose of redemption. And so this word isn't about procreation, where some people may take a textbook definition and go, well, hey, this is about procreation. It's about one coming from the Father as if they didn't exist, and now they're being born. Uh, It's about a unique relationship between the Father and the Son. And so when many modern ears hear that Jesus is the Father's only begotten Son, they might immediately think that he was created, that he is a creature and not the uh, creator, which grossly distorts the author's original ten. John 3.16 and and who God is. So to exercise some of the, uh, I guess, my education, a little background with with Greek. Thank you so much, my patient Greek teachers at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary who probably thought that I would uh, never remember anything they said. Well, I remembered one thing. So beneath that English word begotten is the Greek word monogonese. And monogonese means one of a kind, unique, the only one of its type. That's right. Um, And so really when you think about if begotten means necessarily brought into existence by by parents, it's not the only or best way to understand right. what God meant when he had written monogenes in John 3.16 through That's John's right. pen. That's right. And so whereas the King James Version would uh, readers original readers potentially would understand it in that way. This is why a lot of your modern translations have changed it to the one and only Son, to be Mm -hmm. a little more literal uh, with the Greek and to um, communicate what this term actually means opposed to being a created being. So kind of fun example, um, a second use of monogenes is in 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. Okay, so that's, that's tracking. But here's an interesting one. In Hebrews um, eleven seventeen, the same word is applied differently uh, to Abraham and Isaac. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced his promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Well, here's the here's the catch: Isaac was not Abraham's only son. What about Ishmael? Mm. But Isaac was uh, was an only begotten son in the sense that he was unique of his type. He was the only son of a promise. Yeah. Uh, he was the child of Sarah by which God had covenanted to bring redemption to humanity, yeah. right? So yeah. just kind of an, an interesting uh, way to approach what it means to be the only begotten. It doesn't nec- it's not we shouldn't live in the English word begotten and the the definition that we understand of it. Right. Rather we should allow the the scripture to teach right. us 
what the Scripture wants to teach us, right. one and only, only right. one of a time. Yeah, and just like all verses, you can't just isolate John 3.16 and, and read it in that verse without considering the whole counsel of God, the, the whole uh, context even of which John was writing. And so when you think of begottenness, when you think of uniqueness of Christ, Christ was the one and only Son, the unique Son of God, coming for a unique purpose. And we can't separate begottenness from the purpose of which Christ came, which is clearly laid out in verses 17 and 18 of John chapter 3, where it says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so this means that we can trust in the sufficiency of Jesus' sacrifice for our salvation, because He is the one and only unique Son of God that was fully man, fully God, as we've already talked about, that came to this earth for a purpose, and that is not to bring condemnation, but to bring salvation. And so we're not awaiting another Savior. We're not awaiting a second Son, you know, that may be better than Jesus. We're not waiting uh, awaiting for some other salvation out there. Uh, the Father sent forth His only begotten Son, and there is no other. He is the one. He is sufficient for our salvation. And so we look to no one else for our redemption. We don't look to the things of this world for our redemption. We don't look for God to send another revelation. The final revelation, Hebrews 1, has come in Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is. And so as the only begotten one, Jesus was the only one unique one, capable of taking God's judgment upon himself in our place. Absolutely the only one of his kind. And today we are thrilled to be walking in the footsteps of Jesus, the only begotten of the Father, the only one of his kind, who came for a specific purpose and a specific way to redeem humanity. I hope that uh, I hope this opens John 3.16 for you just a little bit uh, more richly, and I hope it also helps you see more clearly how to navigate conversations or your own theology and beliefs about Jesus when you dialogue with a culture uh, who is a little bit confused about what it means that Jesus Christ is fully man and fully God, and yet John 3.16 calls him uh, a unique, only begotten Son of the Father. Andy, thanks for being with us and walking through that text with us. Glad to be here.